Hey, 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 buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based film production company run by yours truly, founded in 2007. Uh, right now, we are in editing form on First Lady Hyde. Got about a half hour of running time assembled on the rough cut, and after that, I'm going to... Uh, Edits uh, Emmanuel and Sin City, and probably do about two more films. Maybe do Tracy Triangle next. I don't know. That's what was originally planned next, but uh, I'm not sure if it's going to go third or fourth. But I'd like to do about four films before the end of the year, um, including maybe a short on top of that or something. We'll see how it goes, but going to have a little fun and finish off this year in a glorious manner. Hopefully, COVID free for everybody and. Um, Hopefully everybody's safe and healthy out there. But uh, one person that is not safe or healthy is Dr. Orloff, and that is who we are here to talk about today for episode 48, film 48, The Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff, Spain, 1973. Original theatrical title in country of origin, Los Ojos del Dr. Orloff, The Eyes of Dr. Orloff. Minus any sinister there. Uh, alternative title, Los Ojos Sinestros del Dr. Orloff. Spanish shooting title, The uh, Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff. Production company, Films Manacoa, PC, Madrid. That's Jess Franco's company. This is his second film that he did under Films Manacoa. Theatrical distributors, uh, Bilbiana Films out of Bilbiao. Shooting date on this is spring 1973. Classified for Spanish release March 1st, 1978. Uh, came out in Spain. Uh, Records show of Bilbao, possibly, of uh, June 25th of 1978. So it came out basically five years after it was shot and then played Madrid uh, September 12th, 78. Yeah, it's interesting. You make a film and then it doesn't really play until five years later. That's interesting. Uh, I wonder how it filled to do that. I don't know. To me, that's too much space. Uh, especially when you shoot it in 73 and don't play till 78. A lot of stuff changes in that time. Uh, theatrical running time on this, Spain, 81 minutes. Cast. It does have a really cool cast. Uh, William Berger is Dr. Orloff. It's interesting. William Berger is different than Howard Vernon. Howard Vernon was supposed to be in this, but uh, he got called away to do another film. Uh, and it's interesting because then he returns in the next film, so it would be kind of cool if things were switched and he was able to do this, but it's really cool to see William Berger uh, jump on this, and I think this might be his first film for Franco, because this is before uh, Love Letters of Portuguese Nun, and off the top of my head, I don't know if he's anything before this, um, but I think this might be his first. Uh, and then the lovely uh, Montserrat Prowse returns as Melissa Comfort, who, uh, really cool, I just read a interview from her that has English translation on Robert Monell's uh, I'm in a Franco state of mind and they had interviewed her about this time in her life work with Franco because she's in about this two year period of his films then she talked about how when Lena came around which would uh, be around this film um, that uh, that uh, she was a professional that she got too horny uh, all the time where Kali Hansa was very professional and she was she didn't get horny on set and she just treated it like a job. But Lena would get too excited and too horny. And that's and then it does show that in her films. She does carry that through. So but uh, yeah, and then they and then Montessoretta was saying that uh she felt that Lena and Jess were into starting into the making porno era and she didn't want to be part of that, so she uh withdrew from the um Franco family. So it was kinda cool I had read that. Uh, but yeah, it's in the uh I'm at a Franco State of Mind um, site on the internet. I would highly recommend Robert Ronell's site. It's got a lot of great Franco stuff on there. So anyway, uh, back to the cast list. Of course, assembled by uh, Mr. Stephen Thrower in the book Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1. Uh, getting to be a hot item, it seems like I'm not seeing it listed as many places I used to. It might be going out of print, so snap it up while you still have the chance. All right, back to cast. Uh, Edmund Purdom, as Edmund Purdom, uh, played Inspector Crosby. Uh, Loretta Tovar plays Melissa Comfort, Melissa's stepsister. Uh, the amazing Kali Hansa is here as the Lady Flora Comfort. Uh, this is uh, her... Let's see, by this time... 
like her third or fourth film. Because, yeah, Silence of the Tombs was her first, and then uh, Evernalize was her second, Sinner third. Yeah, so it was like her fourth film uh, with Jess Franco. Uh, she plays Lady Flora Comfort. Uh, Joaquin Blanco plays uh, Nicholas, uh, Crosby's assistant. Jose Manuel Martin plays the butler, uh, Albert Marth Matthews. Uh, Jaime Picas plays Sir Henry Robert Comfort. Uh, Lena Romay makes her first on-screen appearance in a Jess Franco film, and she plays the role of Sweet, uh, Davy's girlfriend. And you have Robert Woods as uh, Davy Prokop, and he's the Davy of Sweet, Davy, and Brown. And uh, they don't list a third member of the band, Brown. So yeah, so Lena Romay, even though here in the book they just have her as Daisy's girlfriend, her name is Sweet because she's part of Sweet Davy Brown. She's Sweet, Robert Woods is Davy, and the third member of the band is Brown, which is actually uh, her boyfriend. Uh, uncredited Jess Franco in here plays Lord Comfort in the flashback scenes. Uh, Carlos Luciana plays Pablo the Tramp, and Diana Loris plays uh, just her picture on Sir Henry's desk, which is cool because... This has a lot of similarities to Nightmares Come at Night, and it's cool that they have Diana Laurie's picture on there, where it would be uh, Lord Comfort married her before, so that would, I think, be uh, Montestrout Press's mother, and she has the same condition as her, so that's a good, it's almost like a sequel to that. Uh, let's see, credits, director Jess Franco, writer Jess Franco, director of photography Antonio Milan, editor Roberto Fandanio. Uh, art direction and set designer Jose Masway, music David Kuhn, of course Jess Franco, uh, production manager Antonio Garcia, assistant produ- production Indesiro Prouse, that's uh, Montessoret Prouse's brother, I believe, because she talked about she got on his films because her brother worked with uh, Franco, so yeah, that's him, um, it's Cidrio Prouse, um, assistant director Ana Maria Setimo de Estavia, Continuity, Josefina Pruna, camera operator, uh, Alberto Prowse. Yeah, that's her That's her brother right there. So he was a camera operator on this. Uh, actually, quite a few Prowses on here. That's funny. Assistant producer is Isidio Prowse, camera operator, Alberto Prowse, and then the camera assistant, Juan A. Prowse. Uh, still photographer, Maximo Lopez Paredia and Ramon Ardid which is uh, Lena Romay's husband at the time, Ramon Ardid. He's a set photographer because since Howard Vernon's not here um, taking pictures as Mario Lippert, we now have Ramon Ardid as Ramon Ardid. Uh, property master Alfredo Montagunero, makeup Carmen Minchacha, assistant makeup Elena Cervera de la Torre. Uh, let's see, film stock, Eastman Kodak, sound recording, okay. Uncredited producer Jess Franco. All right, so let's see you go on here. <clears throat> Production notes. In February 1973, the Spanish newspaper La Vanguardia ran a feature about Franco, who was back in Madrid, um, touting a portfolio of his recent films, including Captain of Sixteen Years, Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein, Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, Science of the Tombs, Vampiros Lesbos, uh, Devil came from Oxava and El Moreto Hasle Latias. The list also included something called Dr. Hokel, a Miss Hyde. Presumably she killed in ecstasy, the working title for which was Miss Hyde, which I got Lady Hyde from, and La Noche Tin Oros, or The Night Has Eyes. Presumably Nightmare Comes at Night, for which some sources list the alternative title Las Osos de la Noche. Among the titles, Franco claimed to be prepping for future co-production with a French company were Una Dra Inche la Ocoridad, Lady in the Dark, uh, a suspense film in the style of Hitchcock, perhaps destined to become tender and perverse Emmanuel, uh, Femmes de la Treve le Hero, or Women Through the Bars, pres- probably a script by Alan Petit called Le Infier de Femmes, which may have become either barbed wire dolls or women behind bars. Uh, police drama in the style of Melville, which appears never to have merged unless we're talking about the relatively cop-line crime drama Kiss Me Killer. 
A story Franco was currently writing about a young teacher and a nun fleeing the Viet Cong to join the South Vietnamese who experienced tremendous ordeals and adventures. Goodness knows what became of that. And finally, a new take on Dr. Orloff. So let's see. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Stephen Thrower's review on this and uh, tell you what he has to say. So let's see. If one approaches the film with a sense of anticipation, wondering how Franco will update his classic Orloff story a decade after the original, then the sinister eyes of Dr. Orloff is deeply disappointing, lacking any trappings of the macabre and devoid of the delirium to be found in Franco's more adventurous work of the period. It's a surprising misfire that squanders the possibilities of an update by adopting the stiff, sensible style of a minor giallo the film is handsome enough to look at because Franco, as usual, chooses good locations and interiors. The faces are interesting, too. Uh, Montessori Prouse once again cor- conveys the hurt innocence that distinguished her starring role in Sinner. And sly feline Kalihansa is always a welcome sight. Amen. Uh, what's missing is any sense of badness. There's no aura of strange obsessions, no hint of gothic insanity breaking through the film's daylit normalcy. The notion of Orloff wrecking wickedness on the minds rather than the bodies of young women is not really explored, and despite Berger's elegant suavity, with a glint of steel, he cannot make his Orloff memorable in such a flat and uninspired production. I don't know, I mean, uh, I kind of don't agree with that. He's more low-key. He does convey a lot with his eyes and his face, and he just looks like cold evil and straight-ahead determination. And um, like we're talking about fear and desire in this film, uh, this film is definitely desire. And I had said it, and, it, and he says it right afterwards on screen. So he has the desire, and I mean, of course the fear is uh, the woman being feared, so, or the woman fearing him. Um, the film's The Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff resembles... I'm sorry, the films The Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff resembles are found not in Spanish, but American cinema, specifically Robert Vincent O'Neill's Blood Mania, 1971, and Serge Jean Sharoff's House of Terror, 1972, professionally mounted but essentially dull tales, made coincidentally around the same time as this, built on soap opera plotting and murderous family intrigue. Much of the sinister eyes of Dr. Orloff is a sort of, is a sort of mild-mannered fare that could have been shot as an American TV movie in the 70s. It's almost worth noting that Franco can direct in this sober and straightforward manner when the need arises. It proves that his wilder, more reckless style is a choice rather than the degeneration it's sometimes construed as. But some great Guggenhall extravagance would have really made this film a tastier fare. The sinister eyes of Dr. Orloff recasts its titular villain as a thoroughly bland professional, a debonair Mills and Boone character in a sharp suit with a velvety bedside manner that would have worked just fine as a veil for true evil, if only the film could shake off the talky mundanity of which it is unhelpfully mired. Among very thin pickings, the dramatic and aesthetic highlight come during one of Melissa's nightmares in which she attacks and kills her faithful manservant as he fixes her broken-down car. The scene is impressive not because the killing is especially shocking, but because Franco allows himself an effective stylistic flourish, double exposing the action with footage of clouds passing across the sun. In addition to the copious dry ice wafting around in the shot, the superimposition creates an agreeably disorienting effect that should have dominated the film more often. The murders are Typically circumspect throat slashings with not a drop of blood, blows to the head minus gore or splintered bone. One learns soon enough not to expect graphic horror from Franco, but even sex and gratuitous weirdness, far more trustworthy components of his style, are absent here. Paced almost as lethargically as Un Silenzo de Tumba, Silence of the Tombs, nothing seems to really drive the story forward. There's no passion eccentricity or perversity shining through. It's as if having set up his Manicoa company, Falco, F- Falco, Franco felt 
obliged to show off his good cinematic manners and conventional craftsmanship, reining in his real talents with cautious inhibition. In context, this is understandable. It seems likely that Manico Productions, being the outflowing of Franco's first legitimate Spanish company, were designed to avoid any of the unpleasantness that his recent, more adventurous films had encountered with the right-wing censors. Nevertheless, one sympathizes with Edmund Purdom's Inspector Crosby, who spends much of the investigating getting drunk in a bar. If this one ever played as a Franco all-nighter, it would be the ideal opportunity to step outside for a while and grab a drink. With neither sexual frankness nor improvisational delirium to recommend it, the sinister eyes of Dr. Orloff plummets like a stone to the nethermost regions of the Franco filmography. Franco on screen. As it's, I don't know, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think it's as bad as uh, Stephen Thor slams it as, you know. Um, I think it's pr- pretty decent. It's not, of course, one of his stronger films, like he's saying, but uh, it's, it's it's definitely worth a watch and, and or two, you know. Uh, I watched it once. I thought about it for a little while. I might pick it up again, play it in the background, you know, and check out some more things. But yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting much and uh, really enjoyed it, actually. And that's what counts. Um, Frank on screen, just a brief glimpse of Jess, playing Melissa's father in the first dream sequence. Cast and crew. Howard Vernon had been set to return to the title role, but other commitments, probably the short-lived French TV comedy series, The Alpha Omega, prevented him from taking part. Lena Romay has a tiny role as the girlfriend of pop star Sweet Davy Brown. That's actually the name of the band. Uh, music. The one intriguing element here is the score by Franco himself, which rumbles and groans and whistles, hovering like a dark spirit in search of a decent film to haunt. That's cool. Uh, the combination of gloomy Hammond organ and atonal reeds, the latter blows hard to create branching harmonics, is very similar to the awful Dr. Orloff. Locations. Shot in the Canary Islands with studio work in Barcelona, the exteriors of the comfort home abode, the police station, and Orloff Sanitarium all look rather similar, and one would not be surprised if Franco had simply filmed three different sides of the same large building for those key locations. Um, Share locations with the... Let's see. Uh, shared locations with the next film, How to Seduce a Virgin, strongly suggests that the two films were shot consecutively. Shot both at the same time. Uh, connections. Aside from the music, the only other elements to be reprised from the awful Dr. Orloff is the name of Melissa. Other versions. Due to persistent misattribution on video and DVD covers, this film is usually referred to as Los Oros Sinestros del Dr. Olaf, a state of affairs which has persisted into its English-language subtitled release as The Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff. However, the on-screen title of the only known theatrical release is plain old Los Ojos del Dr. Olaf, The Eyes of Dr. Orloff. So, that concludes Stephen Thrower's notes on this. But, uh, yeah, like I was saying, I definitely dug it. Um, I've seen a lot worse, and uh, but I've seen a lot better. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely good. And, uh, you know, I, I praise, praise Jess on that. Speaking of praise, our mission statement is always praise and in memory of Jess Franco, breaking the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us at Franco Observer. That's F-R-A-N-C-O-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R, one word, at yahoo.com. It's FrancoObserver at yahoo.com. You can also get a hold of us and add us on Facebook and Instagram, as you can find us there as the Franco Observer Podcast. Always have updates and pictures and all that good stuff, all uh, Franco-based and uh, Desperate Visions films, current productions uh, based as well. Uh, please download the shows. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please rate. Please share. Um, let us keep building the audiences and let us uh, keep getting the name and word of Franco out there and uh, getting close to episode 50. So I want to go to 100 and then 150 and then, you know, go all the way in, which is about 170 something, I believe. So 
We'll see how we do. Uh, let's see what else we want to say. Uh, well, you're going to listen next to the um, review of uh, The Eyes of Dr. Orloff with uh, myself and uh, guest reviewer, guest co-host, Mr. Eric Whitwell. And uh, you'll hear us talking about our thoughts on the eyes of Dr. Orloff. Hey, 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 buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, and from Desperate Visions, which is a really good tie-in with this film, uh, film 48, The Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff. And Sinister Eyes always have desperate visions, so uh, this should be a good film to talk about. And uh, speaking with someone today, that is the guest reviewer and co-host for today, uh, and has been in f- several Desperate Visions films, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hey! Hey, hey. So, uh, we just got done watching, in proper English, uh, film 48, um, this being episode 48, The Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff, although the screen title is just The Eyes of Dr. Orloff. Los Osos del Dr. Orloff. Um, uh, yeah, so they only have Sinister in the shooting alternative title. This is another uh, Manicoa film, uh, Jess Franco's um, standalone company, his second film for his uh, standalone company, uh, Silence of the Tombs being the first, this being the second, and I think he only did like one or two more for his company before he changed it through um, and went on to do other films for other people. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, give the brief synopsis on this and... Uh, Ask Eric what he thought, and I'll talk about what I thought, and then I'll kind of go through the cast a little bit, and this time go over some of that, which I uh, didn't do before. So, uh, let's see. Synopsis on this isn't too much. Um, Paralyzed Melissa Comfort lives at Fisk Manor with her stepsister Martha, her uncle, Sir Henry Comfort, and her aunt, Lady Flora Comfort. Her only friend is the family servant, Matthews, whose job is to push Melissa's wheelchair and attend to her needs. Melissa suffers dreadful nightmares in which she sees her dying father dripping blood onto her nightgown. Martha suggests calling the noted psychiatrist Dr. Orloff. Upon visiting Melissa, Orloff tells her that her, fa- that her family thinks she's going insane and offers to treat her. After a dream in which Melissa murders her uncle, the old man turns up dead the following day. Is Melissa somehow responsible, or is her family plotting to drive her insane, and can she really trust the gentle, uncautious Dr. Orloff? (laughs) God, what word he use there? U n c t u o u s, uncoutuous, whatever. Doctor Orloff. So, uh, Mr. Whitwell, what did you think of the film? It was good. It was a good movie. Um, yeah, I, it's uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. William Berger's a badass. Like, yeah. he's, he's really good in it. Uh, he he's evil. He's just evil. Um, uh, what's her name? The Kali Hansa. Kalyans is a badass. Yeah, yeah she's, Lady Flora. Yeah, she's 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 dope. Um, but the, no, the the girl. Oh God, what's her name? She's a she was in the tomb. What a Surat Prowse. Yes, the lady, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Plays Melissa. Yeah, yeah. And she plays a she plays a good crippled girl. Like, yeah, she, she does a good crippled walk in it, and she's good wearing a nightgown. Really and, nice, uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very similar. Where she's both films walking a nightgown or holding holding a weapon you know in her hand and, and any movie that has lena in it is a good movie yeah it's a good you know it's just it's a good movie that's sweet <laughs> you didn't waste your time watching it yeah. if, you, if you get to see lena yeah. so yeah yeah no it was it was good it was really good and it's kind of just interesting to see that this was the first i mean i know she's not a big part in it but the first movie that lena was uh in that was released yeah that's no, interesting because yeah because um the film that he did before this is called Relax Baby, and it was unfinished, unreleased, and that was where Lena first appears, but that was never put out. So this is actually her first on-screen appearance of for a Franco film, so that's really cool to see her. 
And in the book, they only have her listed as Davy's girlfriend. But then we figured that her name was Sweet because the band was Davy, Sweet, and Brown. Yeah. And uh, we have here, we have uh, Robert Woods is uh, Davy, the guy that does all the detective work. Yeah, he's he was good. A few, he's in a quite a few Franco films after this. If you have Robert Woods, you see it in Carzan, Robert Woods and oh, yeah. Count is Perverse, and he's he's on a few of these. Oh, yeah, cool. But, uh, yeah, so him, um, but they have him listed here. Uh, where's he at here? Uh, Robert Woods as Robert Wood as Davy Procup Sweet Davy Brown. They have him as so maybe he's Sweet Davy Brown, but then the other guy would be. Uh, let's see. But Lena said though, like Brown, Brown sometimes will will give me permission. permission. Yeah. yeah, that's why I think. Yeah, I think I think Stephen Thor has this wrong, but yeah, yeah, because I think Brown was the other guy playing the guitar, and then he was Sweet, the one kept Sweet, or Sweet was her, and then he was Davy that kept yeah. singing and stuff. Because they were talking about going on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was funny. It's like all three of them are, are the band, you know. And, and there's a comma between each work too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think you're right. I think it's that's the band Lena. So, so that's her first appearance as a singer for Sweet. That's her name, Sweet. I want I want Brown to give me permission with Lena. Yeah, and it's funny too because <laughs> Lena's first appearance is like she's like with one guy and it's like, well, I can have permission and I'll make you forget about the yeah. other girl. So it's <laughs> I'll like, help you out. Yeah, it's like what a right. good friend. You know yeah. what I mean? What a good friend. It's already Lena's starting off on her uh, starting off on the right foot, maybe <laughs> or on the right knee, maybe. Oh my gosh. So yeah, but uh, no, it's really cool. Um, yeah, this is uh, William Berger. He had done. Uh, Captain of 15 Years, a few, a few films back, and then he goes on to do Love Letters, Portuguese Nun, and uh, I think he does one or two other Sweet and Tender Perverse, Emmanuel, I think, and maybe one other film. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but yeah, but he does about four or five Franco films um, total. But uh, yeah, this is his first one. He takes over the role of Dr. Orloff from Howard Vernon, uh, reading the notes on this. It looks like Vernon was called away to do another film, even though he had just done the two films before this, and uh, does the film after this, uh, How to Seduce a Virgin. So I think he's in that one. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Howard Vernon. Yeah, so he's in the one after this. But So it's funny. The film that he's associated with, Dr. Orloff, he's not in, but the other ones before and after he's yeah. in. So that's kind of weird how that turned out. It's weird that the timing of his other movie just happened to be yeah. right at the part that he's been playing the whole time. Yeah, it's like, oh, Dr. Orloff, <laughs> you're going to be Dr. Orloff. So, but it's cool to see William Berger play. He takes on a different uh, interpretation of it. Uh, Watch Prowse, uh, Melissa Comfort, she's really good in it again. Yeah. Um, Edwin Purdom as Inspector Crosby. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Not jump on the list, but he's definitely the one of the most inept cops in a Franco film. He Ooh. spends his whole day at the bar drinking and and hanging out, and the kid has to like Davy has to basically do all the detective work and physically pull him from the bar to get him to go to the place. You know. Okay, who's more like I don't know? Yeah, no, no, yeah, definitely nah. Because I was thinking about okay, the film that where remember when the girl was like talking about her with her husband and like. They're like trying to check out the Sharon Stone legs. Like they're trying to like look. Oh yeah, that was uh, yeah the um, Doctor Mabuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're trying to like oh right, yeah. This one that we did with Bob. Yeah, yeah. Because they also were pretty inept. Like they, yeah. Because the girl didn't also. Oh yeah, they're like oh yeah, she's just going off with another woman. Like, yeah, right. She's the not same deal. Oh yeah, she's just having oh, sex with another woman. Almost like this, where the lady calls in, and talks about her husband being yeah. missing, and they're just like oh, well, guy throws me the paper, like it's no big deal. Yeah. And stuff. And the lady like, shows how old up. Are you? Yeah, yeah. How old are you? Like. Is she young or old? Like, <laughs> like almost he's telling her, like, hey, your husband's out with another woman. Yeah. Like, he's, like, saying, how old are you? And I think about it. He's, like, saying, well, duh, how old are you? Like, don't yeah. you realize that he's fucking somebody else? Yeah. And she's, like, well, I never let him stay out that late. And he's, like, yeah. well, no wonder you ran away. Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't let him do stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. And that was the whole thing. It's funny. So he just, like, throws away the thing. Yeah, just yeah he crumples up the paper yeah. and literally throws it away. Like, yeah. So, and, and all the, the missing like persons that. report. He has the fucking inept cops, you know. Um, and then we have. Uh, Loretta Tovar as Martha Comfort, Melissa's stepsister. So she was the blonde that's killed in the bathtub. Okay. So yeah, Loretta Tovar. And then, of course, Kali Hansa is amazing as everyone else. The scene where she carries up, uh, um, I'll just Prowse, like up the stairs wearing these high heels and just like fucking, she is like one, I was telling Eric, like if they made a Wonder Woman, she'd be like the, one of the perfect Wonder Woman's in that era because she's just like an Amazon. She's strong. She's amazing hair. She'd have um, Wonder Woman hair, you know, this yeah. thing and the her fucking toughness and everything. And she didn't break a sweat. Like she no. carried her up. Like her, she didn't like dip her at all. Like the body didn't move. Yeah, the no, body no, stayed yeah, yeah, perfectly just, yeah, still. Yeah, she carried it all the way up. 
and it's cool because like I was telling them too, they always have like Tovar or they have uh, his like bald assistant with a scar, and like in this movie, she's that character. She's the fucking the giant that helps the doctor like with the physical stuff, and you know, which is cool. To yeah, have her is, is that character. And she's hot. Huh? Yeah, and she's always plays a power. And it's cool too. So her name is Lady Flora. And she married the guy to basically do the inheritance, and she has like flowers on her dress, and they photograph her with flowers on the table, and she's eating and talking and stuff. So it's it's pretty cool. To, they always associate that, and and uh, Franco photographs her really beautifully and really lights her really well, and 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 she looks amazing. In this she wears like six or seven different outfits, and uh, yeah, she cool necklaces. Wears that black kind of a horn again and stuff around her neck. Yeah, you you could tell that he like he takes extra special care with her. Like when that scene when the two are talking, yeah, and like the guy just has a direct light on. Yeah, he's him. a flat light on him. Yeah, and, yeah, and Franco shoots her through the glass light with a nice little shadow across <laughs> her. Plus, her porcelain white skin helps too with oh, that, yeah. so it just reflects that light really nice on her. It gives her that just flat, you know. Yeah, he's like with him. He's like, okay, stand there, put the light on him. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. Actually, let's move this angle right here. Exactly. Take time with her. <laughs> then we have. Um, Joaquin Blanco, uh, John Russell played Nicholas, Crosby's assistant. Uh, Jose Manuel Martin played uh, Alberto Matthews, the butler. So, yeah, that guy, Jose Manuel Martin, he was cool, the, the older guy that was wearing the sweater yeah. and stuff and was saving her, her assistant. Uh, Jose Manuel, okay, I said him. Um, Jaime Picas, uh, Sir Henry Robert Comfort, so that was the old guy uh, at the desk that was hers. His, her uncle okay uh, Lena Romay of course Davy's girlfriend uh, Robert Woods as Davy Prokup uh, and credited Jess Franco as the original Lord Comfort that's funny so yeah so, uncle, so, so that's a good uh, credit so, so who are you I'm Lord Comfort the original I'm Lord sure. Comfort so do you sell beds or something are you Lord Comfort come to Lord Comfort's mattresses today all box springs half off Lord Comfort awaits you that's funny, Lord Comfort. I just made to come up to like, are you okay? Are you doing okay? You're yeah. Fine? You're doing all right? <laughs> Carlos Lucera as Pablo the Tramp. And finally, Dinah Laurie's picture on Sir Henry's desk, which is awesome because they use Dinah Laurie's pictures and she's in uh, the lead in Nightmares Come at Night in almost the same role as a woman who's hypnotized and doesn't know what's going on and she doesn't know if she's killing people in her when she's sleepwalking and all this other stuff and she has a blonde girlfriend that's kind of like framing her that's what's going on with this but it's funny they, do, they have um, they don't have the other blonde lady that looked like Pamela Stanford listed on here huh. I'm trying to see what her name was because I was trying to figure out who she is because we have Melissa's stepsister that's the one blonde and then we have uh, Javi Picas, Lena Romay, Robert Woods Jess Franco Carlos and Dinah Lorries. yeah it doesn't even have her yeah. listed on here she was a big part too. She yeah, played Dr. Love's assistant, like where I mean, his like right hand woman. Yeah, Lady for Comfort. Or all. Yeah, it doesn't even say that's huh. that's so crazy. Yeah, I was trying to figure out who that was. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think that was Pamela Stanford, but uh, I'm, I'm curious I'll have to look and see who that could be. But uh, definitely wasn't Pamela Stanford. She was real a lot thinner, a lot thinner than Pamela Stanford. But well, she used the same eye eye makeup, like yeah, in definitely. Uh, blue. Blue Rita and that, and then in this way her style yeah. was and everything. That's why I was kind of kind of curious, you know. But she's been in a lot of his films. Though. She's been in a few. I've, I've recognized her in, in at least. A couple yeah, that's of what it's, it's interesting. So I'm trying to figure out who who that was, yeah. but uh, yeah, it doesn't really say because and this is usually pretty thorough. But they don't yeah. got uh, Monster of Prowse. So anyway, but yeah, no, um, I definitely liked it. It's uh, was more of a, like, like he reuses a lot of this stuff later. Like we were watching a lot of the voodoo. Uh, God damn it. Um, Voodoo Passion, Sexy Sisters, Satanic Sisters, um, and uh, the, um, oh shit, uh, Wicked Women, some of that stuff too. Like three or four of the ideas he uses later in the um, Dietrich era stuff, he there's almost all in this film. So it's kind of funny. He took like three or four ideas from all that and puts them into different films. Yeah. So it's always kind of cool to see these earlier ones. And it's a shame because we saw some of this stuff later and to see it the first time here, you're like, oh shit, this reminds me of this and you're seeing the remake before you see the original. So, I don't know. I guess it is for what it is. But, uh, no, I thought this was really good. Um, William Berger is really fucking awesome as usual. Yeah. Uh, he looks really good. He wears black suit and black tie. He's really intense and he's almost plays a very similar character that he does in Love of Letters of Portuguese Nun later where he's a trusted person, a doctor or a priest and then he turns out to be a totally ulterior motive where it's all for him and he's he's the one taking control of it and stuff and and uh go ahead oh no i was, I was laughing i was like maybe that's just how he is <laughs> yeah well you know it's cool if you if you look his name up in uh um 
marijuana conviction, he had like a much publicized case with they pretty much framed him and like fucked him up for like that's having right. just a little bit of weed and stuff. So that's and right. his wife that's in prison right. and stuff, and there's like crazy stuff. So that's one thing that made me appreciate him more, just seeing the shit that he had to go through and stuff, and then seeing him still do films and stuff. Um, so it's funny. So we're talking about the themes before of fear and desire. And we were watching this. I had mentioned, oh, this is about desire. And then about two seconds later on the film, he goes, something, something desires this. And we're like, yeah, see, exactly. Here's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that it was, was like r- really funny timing, of course. But, uh, yeah, so this is a film that is about desire. Um, Dr. Orloff desires to kill the people that wronged him on his list. And he goes through his list of killing them all. Um, the Flora desires to have the inheritance, to have the husband killed so she can have all the money. And um, Melissa, though, is controlled by fear. Uh, her desire, she has no desire. She just has fear of the handicap that she was put in as a child. And she's just controlled by fear of the nightmares that she re- that she sees over and over again with her father. And it's funny, so <clears throat> Franco plays the father again, and he's the father in a few different films uh, in flashbacks. I'm trying to think which one it was. It might have been like um, Women Behind Bars or... Uh, downtown or something where Lena's the daughter and Franco's like the father molesting her yeah and the one of the ones we watched later so this was similar to this where he was the father and, and the daughter's dreaming of him and he dies and then you find out that she did it but it was through the doctor it was either holding her hand or controlling her through his magnetic presence so uh, speaking of controlling through magnetic presence which is mind control we'll go ahead and hit the list right now and knock right. that out uh, number one, Body of Water. Yes, yep. we see one just really brief, I think, in the beginning. I'd forgotten. Eric had mentioned it again. Um, but no sailboats or boats of any kind. Uh, we see number four, Palm Trees in the garden when she's mm-hmm. being pushed around by her assistant. Uh, I don't really remember jungle sound effects, yeah. number five, on any of that. Uh, number six, Chained Up Person. Yes, yes, she's tied up in the end by Dr. Orloff. Uh, it was actually the very last of the film, the very end scene, pretty much. Uh, seven and eight of them can combine into one dance scene on stage, stripping or club scenes dancing. No on both. I had high hopes on that one though, because when he said uh, your mother was a cabaret dancer, I was like, oh, oh please do a flashback. flashback. Exactly. Yeah, please do a flashback. Good call. Yeah, yeah and it didn't. Yeah, jazz music. I don't really. Uh, no, it's like xylophone and piano, and I'm not sure about jazz music in this. I didn't really catch Nothing it. Nothing stood out to me. Yeah, I didn't go. Oh, okay, there's his. You know, or yeah. if it did, it just slipped under the radar. Um, Number 10, excessive zooms. There was a couple zooms. Yeah, nothing heavy, though. Yeah. I don't think. He, he used them just to kind of go to far distance to show them walking away or, or something, or you know, but nothing too crazy, I think, in this mm-hmm. one. Out of focus shots, a few, but he ended up changing focus in a few, and it fit, but pretty minimal, I think, on this one. Uh, 12 mirror shots. There is some very cool mirror yeah. shots. One of... I call Kali Hansa at the very far end of the frame. She's coming down the stairs and about, you see the camera is separated by about that room and another room. And there's a mirror on the very front left of the frame. And you see her reflection like 30 feet away, bounced off of a mirror onto that mirror. So it's a really cool shot. That was one that stood out to me. Uh, But there is a few cool ones in here. Uh, Number 13, mind control theme. Most definitely. That's part of the huge (laughs) part of this film. That's what the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 14 magic tongue scenes. Yeah. Now, although it would be nice to see a little Kali Hansa magic tongue, you know, I don't know about Dr. Orloff magic tongue, but, uh, <laughs> you want to see women burgers tongue. <laughs> yeah. I'm cool with that. Uh, I look, you know, yeah. Look her eyebrows. <laughs> uh, 15 red lights. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. Light, no. Uh, no sheepskin or masturbation with the items. Uh, mad scientist. Sure. I think Dr. Orloff's a fucking mad scientist. He's known for that. He's got a lab and all that school shit. He's got assistants and fucking monsters. He was injecting her with drugs that he, yeah. he came up with. So. Yeah, and he was in control of his brain. So, yeah, definitely mad scientist. 18 fish tank shots. No. Yeah. 19 talking parrots or talking animals of any kind. No. Yeah. 20 end credits. Yes or no. Yes. Yeah. Finn, but no names, but finish or, or the end or whatever. 21 handwritten notes. There, yes. Yeah, I caught that uh, to let... Yes, two yeah, with the two paint legs. running yep. down, and then one other one before that I caught, I think. But those are the well, there was the brown on the side of the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, brown. exactly. But, yeah, the toilet was the more the, was, yeah. yeah, that was more and the one. there's paint running down. Though. It's, like, not finished yet either. It's funny. Uh, number 22, spiral staircase shot. No. Yeah. 
and of course the new one, twenty three inept cops. Yeah, most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. <laughs> these these cops were just worst fucking cops. Terrible, ever. Yeah. terrible cops. Yeah, terrible their cop. jobs and just terrible fucking thing. Um, we get very little nudity in this. We have two flashes in the beginning, but then we realized that. Uh, Eric was really quick to point out her ass, and I almost went along with it, but then I realized that she was wearing panties in the front, and they were just like sheer, so yeah. I don't really count that. But we do have a girl in the bathtub at 56.56, which is good. Um, 56 minutes, 56 seconds, first nudity. That's the uh, stepsister in the bathtub. Uh, let's see what her name is. Uh, Loretta Tovar. She was Martha Comfort, Melissa's stepsister. So, yeah, you see her in the bathtub, and Collie Hansen murders her with the uh, shower, uh, what's that called? The shower, shower head. Yeah. Like shower, yeah. yeah, like the portable shower head deal, which is a cool kill scene. Yeah. And you see Collie just, like, fucking being tough and just murdering this chick in the bathtub that she was, like, romancing and kind of being, like, an older lesbian relationship with her. She was kind of, like, the top, you know, kind of bullying this girl around, and she's, like, fucking kills her in the fucking yeah. bathtub, like, pretty brutally, you know? To be honest, any relationship Collie's in, I kind of feel she's the top. Yeah, I don't Whether think it's she's man or female. Or female. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shit. She could be with the fucking town and still be the top. Yeah, you know? she's the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there's a cool scene I liked in the beginning when Dr. Orloff uh, talks to Melissa in the wheelchair, and he's kind of saying, oh, you know, your family says you're crazy. Well, they probably said I was crazy, too. And yeah. he kind of, like, talks her and kind of conditions her and kind of, like, gets her set up and tries to fucking get in her mind and try to figure shit out right in the beginning and, and you know, kind of grooms her actually, you know, mm-hmm. gets her set up and all that stuff. And then, uh, I thought that was a really good scene with him acting and, and Berger's first introduction, his first come on to the thing. Um, and, uh, there's, yeah, like I said, there's connections with nightmares come at night because you have, uh, Dinah Laurie's picture, uh, that was on the table of, uh, Lord Comfort's, uh, desk, which was cool. And she has the same type of role, same type of film. And uh, so it's cool that he has that connection of that. Like, that's her aunt. And she had the same thing that she went through. Uh, there's also connections with this I found through Virgin Mom Living Dead. The stepsister's like Britt Nichols' character. She's always smoking every scene she's in. She's sitting on the bed smoking, talking to her, and being with her and all that other stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then also, too, we caught uh, he has part of the lens, not the cap, but almost like a... Like a can't never remember the name of the part, but it's basically it sits around your lens to keep the uh, sun from hitting the thing. So he didn't have it clipped on all the way. So when he zoomed in too far, you could see on the top left corner, you'd see the little edge of the black, you know, frame deal. So we caught that a few times. He zoomed too far, and as soon as he zoomed back, then it would disappear. You know. Yeah. So, but uh, any any notes on this that you want to talk about or things that caught your attention? Oh well, just uh, the only thing that. Uh that was kind of a maybe kind of laugh a little bit. Um, yeah, was a uh, when he went to the police, uh, the next door neighbor, who the Davy, right? Yeah, Davey, right, right, right. Um, he runs to the police officer and he's like, you know, things are going crazy in this house. Like people are dying. Um, I went there. I went there that night, and she must have done something wrong because her hair was wet. Oh, so yeah, was yeah. her robe. Yeah. But the thing is, like, when he went to go speak to her, she's like, well, I just got out of the bathroom. Like, right. You know, it's like, there's, yeah, there's, she took a shower. It's nighttime. Yeah, he comes over to this lady's house, knocks on her door, uninvited, yeah. and she answers the door with wet hair and wet robe, and he thinks that she's doing something peculiar. Yeah. Although, by the way she was acting, of course, she was gave him suspicion because she was like, you know, but... But what he told the police, if he would have said, hey, she was doing this and this and this. But what he brought up was so stupid. He yeah, she like, had a yeah. wet hair and wet robe. Yeah. But of course she's going to act like that. She doesn't even know who he is. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I haven't, I'm, I'm your new neighbor. Well, I'm your ex-new neighbor. Right. She doesn't. It's nighttime. She just got Right. And yeah. the reason she was giving is logical, hey, it's late at night. I'm by myself. I don't want you coming in. Yeah. Blah, blah, you know. So it's like, why so, are you so, you know. Yeah. So that cracked me. That, that cracked me up. Um, yeah. Just uh, It was just pretty. The, the cop was just so bad. Yeah. It was just so bad. It was. Yeah. The guy like had to go, the, the neighbor, the kid had to do all the work. He did all the work, the police work. It was yeah, that was insane. Yeah, Inspector Crosby. Now I, I got to go through and look because I think he uses that name, Inspector Crosby, in other films. Off the top of my head, I don't remember, but I'm almost sure I have heard that name before. So that's like one of his reoccurring characters that he'll use. You know. Yeah. No. Yeah. That was uh, that was pretty much it about the cop um, and just uh, oh, and also like when the neighbor was trying to get. Um, 
uh, the comfort the girl in the wheelchair. Like she's she's behind these bushes in her wheelchair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in there. And he's like, hey, hey, come over here and swim with us. Hey, and he just yeah. keeps like, come jump over this hedge. Yeah, yeah come over, leap over the hedge and join us. And then he finally runs back. Goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you're in a wheelchair. Oh well, I ride my bike a lot. It's almost the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of funny. And then he he, he wouldn't goes, take no oh, for an answer. You're so pretty, and I could teach you how to swim. Yeah, even though she's crippled and can't walk, but he can teach her how to swim. So. And she hasn't said two words to him, and he's like, I like you very much. Yeah, yeah. You know. And he tries to drag her in the wheelchair until the assistant, the assistant comes her, yeah. up. And is like, hey man, I'm gonna kick your ass if you don't like leave. This is private property, basically. He didn't yeah, say those yeah, words, right. But, but he's like, hey, you're on, yeah. Oh, he said private property, and he's like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm your neighbor, and you know, yeah, this and that, and until he backed down. Yeah, but he but, was dragging the girl in the wheelchair who didn't even say two words to him. Like she said, no. That's what she said was no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, and there, there's a cool sequence I was gonna bring up that they talk about uh, that there's a um, let me see if I can find it real fast, but. Uh, he goes, uh, where they double expose the films uh, when his, her assistant gets killed. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. Uh, let's cut this out here. Okay, here we go. Uh, three, two, one. Uh, among very thin pickings, the dramatic and aesthetic highlights comes during one of Melissa's nightmares in which she attacks and kills her faithful manservant as he fixes her broken-down car. The scene is impressive not because the killing is especially shocking, but because Franco allows himself an effective stylistic flourish, double-exposing the action with footage of clouds passing across the sun. In addition, the copious dry ice wafting around in the shot, the superimposition creates an agreeably disorienting effect that should have dominated the film more often. I don't agree, because too much would be too much. Uh, the murders are t- are typically circumspect, throat slashings with not a drop of blood, blows to the head minus gore or splattered bone, or splintered bone. Uh, one learns soon is not enough to expect graphic horror from Franco, but even sex and gratuitous weirdness for more trustworthy components of his style are absent here. But, uh, yeah, so that's funny. But, uh, no, I, yeah, I definitely liked it. Uh, I don't know. Thrower doesn't really care for this film and Silence of the Tombs, but, uh, no, I mean, they're, they're, they're fucking cool little films, and I, I don't think they're anything out of the ordinary for him. Um, they fit in his canon, you know, a lot of the same touches. This more than Science of the Tombs, but uh, no, they, I think they're good films. And, and here in the United States, unfortunately, we just looked this up before going online. It looks like this is out of print now. The uh, Just Franco's Forgotten Films Collector's Edition with uh, Science of the Tombs, double feature disc with Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff. I think I picked it up for about 30 Eric got it for about 25 or something, and now it's like 70 bucks. So <clears throat> hopefully this will go back in print again. I know there was problems with this company, but... Uh, these these this copy looked good. These two prints yeah, were good. I thought really good. Yeah, yeah. The, the color correction and stuff was cool on them, and uh, yeah, I was I was impressed. You have to you have to physically select the subtitles because it just plays without that, you know. But uh, yeah, it has some good trailers on there and some cool shit. And uh, there's a trailer for the sexy horrible vampire, <laughs> which is a cool title because you don't really see sexy and horrible too much in the in the uh, put put together anything. The sexy horrible smell. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me about your date. Oh, she's sexy, horrible. Okay. So tell me about this uh, dinner you had last night. Well, let's see. It was really tasty, sexy, and horrible. And okay. Well, yeah. So I don't know. So yeah, the sexy. What horrible a sexy, hell. horrible thing to say to your mother. I know. It's funny. It's like those two words can never fit. It's like because horrible's bad and sexy's good. Yeah. So it can't be horribly sexy. Well, be, yeah, sexy. Like, unless you're Christian, the sexy is like forbidden. Yeah. Sexy, horrible vampire. Maybe it's like somebody that's so sexy and they kill, so the sexy, horrible, whatever. You yeah. Know? The sexy, horrible, soldad Miranda. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think horrible could ever be with her name. But, uh, no, not, not at all. No, so. Even if she stunk, it wouldn't be bad. Yeah. I don't know. Something with human stinking lately. I don't know. It's like two or three times you brought up somebody stinking. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was summertime, so. Yeah, you should come over. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I'll, I'll pass. Probably pass out from the stench. Yeah. So. Well, I gotta say that if if Franco was the one that came up with that cloud, um, the 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 thought of doing the double exposure with the cloud yeah. sequence, the superposition, that yeah. was such a great like his artistic like. Oh yeah. Him putting his little artistic thing into it because the you didn't see much of that in the 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 silence of the tombs. You didn't right, see much no. of his style. Straight you know, ahead. Was, yeah. yeah. Straight right. shots, but that sequence was really cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. weird, kind of yeah. a 
freaky looking thing that like I, I which in nightmares come at night there is a few sequences like that where it's kind of hard to see and things are kind of yeah. freaky and stuff and he does that in uh um Sinner and in uh, Lisa Bernalis, there's like each film has one scene where it's just really trippy okay. and shit. That's how kind of this was. There's that one trippy yeah. scene where it's like, oh shit, you know, it's kind of cool and it stands out. But yeah, like I said, if you do it three or four times, then it probably doesn't have the yeah. power. If you just do it once or maybe twice, and it's you remember it more, you know. And I, I thought it was I think, perfect. Yeah, yeah, and I thought it was good with that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. So I, I I definitely would recommend both of these. Um, of course, it's not. As good as the original uh, awful Doctor Orloff, but it's 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 a fucking cool film and, and more you know in style what he does and stuff. Um, let me see. So, of course, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and you can uh, get us at FrancoObserver at yahoo.com if you want to drop us any emails. That's where we're at. Uh, you can, of course, uh, join us on our mission statement of bringing the name and films of just Franco to new eyes and ears. And you can download all the episodes now uh, coming up on this is 48, so uh, two away from 50. So that's like about 60-some hours, at least 70 hours of Franco talk. So, uh, yeah, so there's always something to listen to, man. So uh, so definitely that. Uh, please download. Please subscribe. Please share. Now, we're sunny, but I'd say share um, the podcast. Um, and if you turn back time and download more episodes, I'd appreciate it. No. <laughs> But uh, so yeah, I think it's gonna be my uh, new running weekly joke about sharing the podcast. <laughs> it's all about share, I guess. You know. Well, you should dress like share when you say that. Yeah. Well, I think that's your fucking sick. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Once you put that in your pipe and stink it. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So uh, I don't know. I think that's uh, anything else you want to say about the sinister, stinky eyes of Doctor Orwell? Stinky eyes. No. 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 The horrible, sexy. Yeah. Please subscribe. Please, please download. Please subscribe. Right. Download on your friends' phones when they're not looking. Yeah, but just don't download any like torrents or don't download Just Franco films. Just buy Just Franco films and uh, download the episodes. It's free, so they're so. very reasonable. Exactly. Well, I want to say my new catchphrase: Buenas noches and beautiful nights. Mm-hmm.